very good evening everyone welcome to today's uh, pitch camp growth marketing and sales leadership webinar series this is our 14th webinar on uh, pitch camp and uh, you know lovely to have uh, some familiar uh, faces uh, joining us uh, again i'm very grateful you know for that patronage that many of you find our sessions extremely useful valuable filled with a lot of uh, takeaways uh, today we have an amazing speaker uh, you know he's one of the first few guys uh, in my network that have been following on the sdr space uh, for over a year year and a half and uh, you know uh, he's rahul wadwa and he's the senior sdr manager at uh, wingi5 uh, also known as uh, vwo he's been with uh, chargebee before is also been with wattfix uh, during their entire you know hockey stick hyper growth uh, phase so would love to uh, you know bring his inputs as as a key operator someone who has joined the sdr workforce and then you know managed his career uh, growing through the ranks switching companies seeing different landscapes working on different market segments and so on so forth so before we jump into that i uh, would like to uh, take a minute to talk about uh, pitch camp uh, initiatives what we have been doing so far and you know where we are so pitch camp uh, you know is an initiative for entrepreneurs and sales teams we help entrepreneurs uh, on their investor pitch uh, life cycle journey and we also coach entrepreneurs on their early stage of uh, b2b sales process very recently we struck a partnership with uh, draper startup house as their pitch partner where we coach the the startups that are shortlisted for their uh, you know fund syndicate pitch night and you know we just finished our first cohort of uh, coaching about six startups and we could see tremendous results uh, over their pitch night so for further details please visit our website we have a weekly pitching uh, sessions where you could pitch and get uh, feedback and if you need deeper deep dive on your particular uh, startup pitch process we could uh, also work on a one on one basis so without further ado welcome everyone uh, i would like to just announce that uh, you know keep the keep the chat uh, conversation going you can put in your questions in the questions uh, window here uh, we need not wait for questions to be responded only towards the end we want to keep this more engaging i will be moderating the questions based on the topic uh, you know that uh, that rahul will be talking about Uh, you know any questions that come up on your mind drop it out there and you know i will bring it up at an appropriate uh, point uh, to have it addressed by rahul uh, if not we will take up all the questions towards the end uh, you know uh, and then we will uh, we will follow it up with an open networking uh, session so in all in all we should be able to have the core conversation for the first 40 odd minutes followed by 15 20 minutes of q and a and then 15 minutes of uh, you know open networking with the speaker as well so without further ado rahul uh, very welcome to pitch camp uh, you know i'm so glad uh, you know that you could make time and uh, and choose pitch camp as one of your uh, platforms to come and speak about on building great sdr teams so much I'll try my best to uh, answer all my questions, all the questions, you know, to the best of my my capabilities and uh, whatever I've done, I've seen, you know, all the mistakes I've done. So, uh, quick introduction about me. So, uh, before entering into sales, I've uh, changed my career five times. 
I've been a bartender, I've been an executive housekeeper, food and beverage, you know, management training, customer service, collections, you name it. And before I actually got in sales. Now, as I say that, you know, true way to find your passion is trying multiple things before you find something that really speaks to you. And I think it took me like five years before I landed in sales like four and a half years ago. So it's been a great journey. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Rahul and I've been uh, an SDR slash BDR for two years and a manager for three actually. So I've built multiple outbound and inbound sales processes. Uh, actually, I've been fortunate to be in the positions where I actually had the chance to do this for a few of the best startups in the world. In fact, two of my previous startups were, are among the top 60 startups in the world. You know, top 60 startup, growing, fastest growing startups in the world. So that, that's why I'm kind of excited to, uh, you know, sh share some learnings, uh, what I've been able to do. Now, my biggest reason for excitement on the pitch camp is uh, I was discussing with Bimlesh just now is uh, that he hosted Morgan Ingram, who was uh, actually my mentor when I was growing up uh, from the SDR role. So when I was in SDR, there was no concept of SDR manager in India because uh, mostly there, there used to be like one sales manager who would manage the entire cycle, SDR, BDRs, and um, you know, sales executive, account executive, everybody. So I got to know about the SDR manager as a concept as a, as a position you know, from Morgan, and I used to watch his video. And uh, I'm glad to, you know, I'm glad that, you know, last last week he was here and today I'm actually sharing this kind of same stage with him. Um, so it's really great. Um, yeah, I'm ready to take questions. Uh, unless we can start now. Thank you. Fantastic. So uh, we'll get right to the meat. So first talk to us about what does an SDR do? Uh, there sure. are different there, there are different interpretations. Traditional companies call them as inside sales. SaaS mm -hmm. companies call them as SDR. So why don't we hear it from you as to you have played that role in a SaaS world, and most of the uh, you know participants here are also dealing with software sales. So you know let's let's kick off this conversation in defining what's an SDR is, and we'll take it forward from there. So um, SDR is a concept. If I talk Ask any given country, they would only understand the concept of SDR or sales development representative as someone who primarily does a context, someone who someone Now in India, this term is interchangeably There's a lot of confusion. So let me make that straight first. Let me make that straight first. So um, SDR in India is someone who handles that inbound lead. Generated by marketing team qualifies them stuff appointments or meetings with an executive, and hence the you know hence the funnel kind of uh, goes from that. BDR is another term which is kind of used um, for the outbound SDR. So you can say SDR is inbound, BDR is outbound. Just just for the just for the sake of conversation. Now someone let's say who does not understand what do they really do. So let me give you a very simple example, and I have thought of this example maybe from my hotel days. So consider a chef, okay whose job is to prepare the best food uh, which people can enjoy and in turn restaurants, of course. Um, now, the interesting part is that there is no set menu. So chef get to prepare a new dish every now and then. And um, since chef has a special skill set, he really want to focus on making those delicious dishes and not spend time really selecting the ingredients, you know, washing, chopping, procuring the chicken, you know, crabs, whatever uh, is being served in the restaurant uh, or cutting them for that matter. Uh, in the restaurant, we call this mise en place. You know, uh, it's like um, basically you can say it's like a research, or you can say it's like setting up the place, right? Now, people who usually uh, 
uh, you know, does all this job and then the restaurants are called commies. Now, consider a chef as like an account executive, someone who's a closer in a company. And these commies are like account, uh, like the SDRs. So what they do is they hunt the chicken, they buy, buy vegetables, clean them, make sure it's ready to be cooked by the chef. I, thought, I think this is the best example I can uh, tell you, you know, in, when, when it comes to, let's say, um, explaining a layman what a SDR term might mean. Uh, now, every company, whether they're SaaS or non-SaaS, initially uh, builds their strategy on organic or inbound leads. And uh, when they believe inbound leads, let's say, are not enough to keep the pipeline full or their business goals are not being met, that's when they um, that's when they go towards outbound. Now, they wanna the strategy they want to adopt is, hey, we want to reach out to people instead of people reaching out to us. So the role of an SDR is to hunt for basically new untouched opportunities or BDR that help the company expand the markets and find more leads. You can think of them as the uh, set line of the companies who are, uh, I'm sorry, I'm actually speaking about the SDR role. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen uh, on Discovery how it's made. So if you see you know, how, it, how, how they talk about the assembly line, um, there's a quality inspector who was actually one of the quality inspectors. So I know how that job is done, where his job was to make sure all the parts which are coming through uh, and uh, would be operated in the bank. You know, uh, it used to be the hero on that. So it will be, you know, which will be uh, made the company. We want to make sure that we can actually to the best of the quality as for the standards set up by the company as for the quality standards. So you can you can actually say uh, that you can actually say that he was uh, doing a sort of an SDR job as we do here uh, when when we are dealing with those inbound leads. The role of an SDR uh, works for me. So uh, most of the SaaS companies, or let's say most of the non-SaaS companies, um, they all start with the inbound uh, sort of a strategy where people are interested in their product because they have developed a product which people are already interested in. Now, for a SaaS company, it could be something like, uh, let's imagine that I, 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 I build an invoicing software, okay? And um, my, uh, my potential customers are already searching for uh, something like, let's say, QuickTime, I'm sorry, uh, QuickBooks, right? And when I when I when I'm looking for QuickBooks, I'm, I, when I go to Google, I usually type in what are the best softwares for accounting, and QuickBooks comes in. Let's imagine you are the you are the founder, you are the company behind the QuickBooks books. So people are already searching for your product, right? So there is already uh, there are already a ton of prospect, the three prospect who are already interested in your um, you know your product or services. Now, of course, what you want to do is make sure your account executives or closers who are already less in number they speak to people who are definitely more interested in than other people who are just exploring right now. So that is why you put SDR as a function so that, uh, uh, like I was explaining the example of my dad, you know, my dad used to work in a company called Hero Honda and uh, he was a quality inspector like a few years ago. And um, his job was to make sure all the parts which are being created by robots or by people manually welded properly. You know, he wanted to make sure as per the standards set by the company, uh, all those parts are up to the standards so that once they're fitted into the bike, uh, there are no complaints later. At the same time, there's a quality issue, there's a branding issue, but we want to make sure if every product, you know, which is built by the company, that is up to the standard. So consider my dad like an old example of an SDR where he was doing something similar what SDRs do now. So they want to make sure they're, they're working the line, if I were to give you a simple example. So every product, every lead which is coming in, they are going to talk to them and see, hey, where are they in terms of the sales cycle? Are they interested? Are they really? Do they have? Do they really have a challenge which they're trying to solve? And if that is the case, would it make sense? And uh, you know, so what happens? 
once these companies, all these companies, um, they have a healthy funnel of leads coming in, they would want to, let's say, uh, speak to a portion of it, which is where the sales methodologies come into picture. The oldest sales methodologies you might have heard, uh, which was probably invented in 1998, SPIN, BANT. Yeah. Uh, if I would talk about, it stands for Budget Authority, Need, and Timeline. So uh, some companies, uh, I would say, few companies now would still rely on something like BANT. This works because uh, it has been working for some time. However, more sophisticated companies have evolved and they have either built their own sales methodologies because they think something like, uh, I'll tell you why BANT probably does not work for some of the companies so that you understand what the methodologies in the first place. So BANT as it stands for you know budget, authority, need, and time. So let's say, imagine that my boss is the one who is going to be the uh, be the one who is going to start the deal. Who is going to start the deal? However, the decision has to come from me. The decision to budget the property has to come from me. Now, if I go to a company and the company says, you know what, you're not fit for us because you will not be the ultimate person who will give us the money. It'll be your CEO, so we will speak to your CEO. Now, if you think about it. My CEO cannot, uh, you know, if I'm evaluating, the CEO cannot be the one who would be involved in this dealing with you. So in this case, if you understand, I'm, I'm a sort of an influencer who will push this deal as much as, as, as possible. So if you understand now, band can probably not work for a situation like today. So that is the reason there are different methodologies called medic, medpick, um, you know, um, that there, are, there are tons of them. It totally depends on the sort of business you are. If you're an early stage, um, you know, you probably don't care about the qualification. You probably want to speak to everybody, uh, you know, any, any chance you get. So if, if I'm an early stage uh, startup, so this, this is a question that comes up uh, you know, very often, right? Uh, I'm an early stage startup in the B2B uh, enterprise space. I sell to mid-market and enterprise spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, by default, you know, we set up an inbound uh, channel with our website, uh, you know, and trying to make our product being visible on several platforms uh, as well. So if I were to start from scratch, uh, fresh outbound uh, teams, mm -hmm. what would be your you know, couple of pointers or you know, five things that you would recommend? This is where you look for people. These are the type of skills you should look for. Uh, what, to, what should be my ratio between SDR and A? Uh, that I should, uh, you know, that I should hire up on the team. So talk to us a little bit about you know, building an SDR team for outbound. Okay, sure. So um, there are a couple of factors uh, which, will, which you will have to factor in before you start about building a team. And uh, it all starts from your product. You know, your product would be completely revolutionary where there might be a lot of education required. So your process building, your process of building the outbound team would be slightly different from when you already have a product which will be competing with other products in the market with, of course, uh, one or two value proposition. Now, when you do that, you have to think about um, how long will you take to, let's say, get your first customer? Because uh, let's say in, in a case when you are building a product which no one has ever thought of, you would, of course, want to keep in mind that there will be a lot of education which will be required. It could be through uh, your marketing team writing blogs, marketing team writing, let's say, organizing webinars, something like this, to educate people, to make them aware of new new technology, which a product is, of course, uh, the challenges which you're trying to solve. Uh, versus if you are trying to uh, 
you know, solve the problem which has already been solved, but in, in your own unique way, then of course uh, you can you can probably start as early as possible, right? Because now you know you, the market has been defined for you. Uh, you know, you know the people who actually buy these sell product products. You don't have to really uh, work on your brain. You know, sort of those complicated processes. So the best example I can give you, which I, I think everybody will be able to relate, is um, when Flipkart, you know, uh, introduced in India. Imagine the kind of work they had to do to um, educate people. Hey, you know what? You don't have to buy books from the stores anymore. You can actually buy your books on Flipkart. Then, then, then the concept of the whole e-commerce started to, you know, uh, um, get, uh, you know, get the traction. Uh, when Amazon came, they did not have to do anything. Everything was set up for them. They actually knew all the best practices, all the failures which uh, Flipkart had already gone through. So they just had to build on top of that. So imagine when you are, uh, I'm sure you will be either, for, if you are a company, you know, so you're a startup or a founder, you would actually realize you always fall into either of these categories. You could be either Flipkart or you could be Amazon, where somebody has already paved the way and you are going to come like, and uh, you're going you're gonna to probably rule them by saying, you know what, I have a very unique proposition. And if you see, and if you t think about this today, that's how most of the startups uh, work. The thing I was um, listening to this talk the other day, somebody said, you know what, most of the startups, I think there was a percentage given to it, I don't know exactly, but it was um, that most of the startups today would be just a unique value proposition of something which already exists, right? So um, I think that that's how your whole strategy would be uh, kind of worked on. Uh, once you've identified those, what you can uh, do is, of course, you will have to identify your most attractive market. So since you asked if I were to tell you five things or six things, what you would have to do to build these, uh, and uh, we will talk about SDR to AE ratio in a bit. So one, identify your most attractive market via market segmentation. So you will have to do that market segmentation. And I'm considering you you would, of course, have to spend a long time research whether, whether you are whether you established part to create a niche for yourself. Then uh, you, would, you would want to establish a clear you know, uh, value-based proposition that will guide you through the segmentation as to what makes you win. Uh, let's say if uh, I am creating a product which let's say compete with um, what do you call? Let's say let's let's say uh, I, I launch a phone today. Okay, I know the phone market is already so competitive, so I would have to understand the kind of market I want to uh, you know bank upon. So I can either be competing with something like Samsung or Apple in the higher segment, or I can be competing with Oppo or you know other other Chinese brands. So that's up to me. Uh, and accordingly, you understand the pitch will be totally different. Um, and this, so that is why, the, which brings me to the next point, you will have to generate customer data and insights. And um, you would have to analyze those data and group them into ideal customer profile, as we call it. So uh, right now, in a, in a sort of companies I work with, uh, we would be selling primarily to the ideal customer profiles because we have identified that for within marketing, you know, there are, let's say, four or five marketing uh, uh, sort of profiles or customer profiles. Like, so one person could be the head of marketing. One could be someone who is handling the UX part, right? Uh, so director of UX, you would say engineer, or somebody could be as uh, as low as let's say marketing specialist. Again, I'm not trying to uh, give them a hierarchy, but I'm trying to tell you within one department there could be multiple levels, right? even though they might appear as because the way you understand this better is once you understand. Uh, so there's a concept called uh, JDBD, which is jobs to be done. I'm sure you would actually be able to Google and find, uh, and this is the best way to really learn more about the prospects and the people you're going to sell to. Um, and uh, I heard one of the podcasts recently where um, 
So what they did is they actually, there was a podcast where they interviewed somebody who bought a mattress, right? Um, and uh, they asked every single question to that person as to what really led him to buy that uh, you know, mattress. Did he go to the store to really buy that mattress? What day was it? What day was when? Did he go alone? What was the budget? Did he go over the budget? So imagine the kind of certainty what they're trying to find out. And that is why when they say, uh, you know, idle customer profile, that, that's what it goes. That's, such, that's the kind of level of thought which goes into uh, driving those idle customer profiles. So from, from the from the from words I view, it might look like, hey, you know what, this person is in sales, this person is marketing. But um, as you understand, I don't do a job of a closer, right? I manage a team. So uh, it, was, yeah, it might appear that I'm a, I'm a part of sales, which I am. But my role is totally different from my director of sales or my director of operations, right? So that's what you want to identify. You want to find those minute differences between all the profiles and you know, you want to segment them. Then um, you want to evaluate the attractiveness of each segment. At the same time, um, you will want to find the leads. Who would fit into that bucket? So I might be selling to marketeers. I might be selling to marketeers, but um, my product only appeals to let's say marketeers who are uh, who work in the company between 200 to 500 employees who sell to restaurants. I'm just giving a hypothetical example. Sure. So I would want uh, you know um, narrow it down as much as possible before I start my outbound process. I would have to filter these points in because until I don't do that, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a carpet I'm gonna be like a you know carpet bomber as my boss used to say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot everywhere hoping that somebody will actually buy my product. Or you can be like a sniper. You know, in order for you to be sniper, you would have to you know really do this bifurcation where you understand the segment you want to sell to, the people you want to sell to, and go from there. Uh, right. Your next question was, how do we how do we decide, uh, you know, uh, how many VDR to one AE or how many SDRs to one AE? I think there, there's no concrete answer to this. Okay, uh, I'll tell you the reason why. You would have to understand. Um, so there's a whole mathematics you can do. If somebody is interested, let me know. I'll probably send you guys guys a um, Excel sheet where you can enter numbers in terms of what's the capacity of your account executives right now. That way you can easily guess uh, how many SDRs would you require. But at the same time, it kind of depends on the stage and the growth of the company you are at, right? If you are, let's say, dealing with 10 leads a day, you don't, don't need probably two SDRs. Even one is one is more than enough. If you're dealing with 100 leads, like, uh, uh, you know, we used to deal, let's say at my previous company, George B, we used to get like, I don't know, upwards of 5,000 leads a month and even 10, 10 SDRs would feel less at times. So based on that, you would decide SDR, and based on SDRs, you would also decide what is the qualification metric, uh, how, how many uh, out of the 100 leads your uh, SDRs speak to, what's your contact rate, how many people are you able to contact, and then how many people are you able to push through for the meeting, how many people really make the meeting, because some people might not show up. Now, does your account executive, uh, is your account executive have enough on his plate to handle more? If not, then you need more account executives. So I think, uh, uh, no one really needs to uh, rack their brains in terms of how to really find out. I'll send an Excel sheet. Uh, I think uh, you can probably find it on Google, but if you if you cannot, just you know, I'll be happy to send that sheet where you enter your numbers and you will know how many how many people you need. So when when you're when you're trying to build out your first set of uh, you know SDRs, so talk to us a little bit of what what type of uh, you know skills and attitudes and aptitudes would you look for when you're trying to 
higher your first few SDRs. And would you recommend recommend a mix of senior experienced folks and you know uh, and a group of uh, fresh hires, or would you would you want to hire only a group of uh, fresh hires? I think uh, that also depends on what you're trying to do or uh, where you are. So let me let me let me make this simple before I into the diplomatic answer no i'm not trying to get into one if i'm building this so for example at, at my current organization there's there already like 10 10 is the hours you know 10 be the hours who work with me if i were to hire anyone now it's totally up to me because the team the team has been performing for some time so i know which one doesn't work at the same time it also depends on what's your value like what's your commitment towards training them uh, my experience has been fantastic with both of them like I said, I think it totally depends on where I was in terms of building the team. So I was building my first team. Of course, I had nobody. Uh, so I, I had to hire experienced people because we wanted to make sure this model is going to work for us to scale and you know prove to the company, present a business case, and hire more people. So if you if you have nobody right now uh, and you're building for the you're looking for the first hire, definitely look for someone experienced. Okay. Once you have been able to scale. Uh, uh, to, to an extent, it's going to actually work both ways. You're going to, it's going to be a win-win situation because uh, let's say three months down the line, six months down the line, and you, and you see this rep is performing, you can actually bring somebody pressure. This person would also have someone to train at the same time, someone to talk to, you know, that I, I have some additional responsibilities that way you can actually also show him some, some kind of career path. He can build in some, build it, build up some lead qualities. So it's a win-win for both of you. But, uh, I wouldn't. I would recommend starting with freshers right away until, unless you find somebody who's absolutely excellent, you know, and uh, who, who you believe would require minimal uh, supervision. But you would also have to factor in this person, since he does not carry any experience, would also take his time. There would be a lot of learning curve for him to understand the whole ecosystem. Um, I think you would have to look at the pros and cons depending on because there might be times you might think, hey, because. Uh, right now, as you understand, some of the market is getting saturated. Uh, a lot of people who have been into business because they want to move, um, move up to the ladder. They, they want to, you know, uh, they they they're just frustrated because they were never given a chance. Uh, they were never given the chance in the company. They were never trained. They were never exposed to other departments, so they don't know. Now, even if you hire them, you have to understand they will be very inquisitive. They will be in a rush to uh, go to the next level. So the, you know, even if even if they don't say explicitly, the question on the back of the mind is, hey, when will I get the more? What's the kind of path for me? So I think I will think if you're looking for somebody with less than two years of experience, and as fresh as goes, I would suggest have somebody with some, some sort of business acumen. That's what I've done in the past. But at the same time, there are more qualities. You know, There are other qualities uh, like, um, you know, uh, Albus Dumbledore might have said in Harry Potter, they have the qualities which which makes a uh, uh, good SDR, and uh, th those are not experience, those are uh, not the business acumen. That's that's something. Uh, what what do you what did you do in your last role, and how, well, how does your thinking process looks like? So I'll give you two examples of uh, my previous SDRs uh, whom I hired. None of them actually had the business acumen. None of them actually um, were freshers. One of them actually took a two-year break to travel, okay? And one of them did study from, of course, uh, you know, US, but at the same time, he was handling something which is not even remotely 
close to what we were doing in the previous company. And this is, this, I'm talking about Siddharth actually, who's the co-author of my, my book, you know, which we published like two months ago. Okay. So uh, I think the only reason, I'm not saying the only reason, the reason I hired him is he, since he probably lived in a different country, he was able to understand different cultures. He was able to really, uh, you know, get into the conversation without, uh, without the bragging at the same time, you know, just, just, uh, you know, act as human. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that, that that's pretty much it when, when it comes to, you know, hiring. But if you were asked, if you were to ask me, you know, what I do, what I do look for when I hire, I look for top notch communication. You know, that's like a deal breaker for me. If you cannot. Uh, so and this is something which I tell everyone on the face, you know, um, not not trying to be uh, arrogant here, but I usually tell people, you know, that I'm looking for someone on a scale of one to ten. If I were to rate yourself, if you're eight and above, yes, we will talk. Otherwise, we will not. Okay, that, that that that's my criteria, you know, because um, that's the kind of standard I've been able to set. At the same time, uh, the companies I usually work for, we are we are working, we are selling globally, and um, and uh, when when you are in a role, especially as a BDR, where striking a conversation with the stranger is absolutely of utmost importance, you cannot um, have somebody who would struggle to actually uh, strike a conversation. So that's definitely uh, uh, other other few things which I look for is. Um, you know, this is one of the questions which is now probably public. Um, few of my BDRs, ex-BDRs kind of have made this public. But I ask everybody who actually um, comes to an interview, hey, you know what, explain, explain the product, either your product or my product. How would you explain this to a six-year-old? Now, if you're able to dumb it down to a level of a six-year-old, now I know that you've definitely understood the product. You've done some research. Because as you understand, simplifying things takes the takes the most time. If you have if you have a fair idea of what a product does, you have a fair. You have to have an exact idea. This is where we go into detail in terms of how much research you have. So if you know my product inside out, I think you would be able to explain this to a kid. So preparation is very important as well. So um, if you if you are not prepared for the most important thing in the world, which is going to give you the bread and butter, why why do I believe that you would be actually uh, you actually bother to research about the prospect. So one of the theory I have is, you know, how you do one thing is how you do another. If you're going to slack here when you're researching about the company or while you're preparing for the interview, which is like the biggest thing for you, you're, you're probably not. You're probably going to do the same behavior. The same behavior. We have one question that's come in from uh, Sham. He says, "How are you keeping your SDR team motivated at these uh, times?" So there are, there are a couple of uh, things you can do. Uh, Again, it's it's a, you you have to understand, Sean, that you know it's, it's it's the first time. Okay, so your question is how you're keeping motivated. Your question is not that I'm keeping motivated, uh, keeping them motivated in remote. You know, when I'm working remotely. So working remotely is a different challenge. Um, when I speak about how I'm keeping uh, them motivated, is so you have to understand uh, that most of the SDRs I work with are millennials. I am myself. I'm a millennial. Right? I'm not going to tell my age, but yeah. Um, we, we all are dealing with millennials at the same time. I even have a few people, few people in my team who are Generation Z, who were probably born after 1994. So they are like 25, 26 right now. Uh, I, I, I was not born in the same age, right? I, I was probably a little older than, you know, older than what they are. But uh, one thing I need to understand is I need to really think like them. I really need to behave like them. Uh, if I, if I were to talk about millennials today, I'm sure um, that there's a lot of chat around around the net around this. But um, we all love to brag, right? We all love to, as we call, humble brag. 
you know, all the places we have visited, all, all the achievements we have done in the life. Um, and that's what that, that's what the underlying thought is. That's what the underlying motivation is. So if you're asking me how do I keep them motivated, I do not leave a single chance to motivate them on the whole public. So the same, same logic, right? Whenever there's a chance, you know, uh, you would want to praise them in front of the whole public. At the same time, give them inst give, give the instances, you know, just not praise, hey, you did a great job. You should be able to tell other people what did they do, you know, what did you find as good, what did you find as great, what, what do you want people to take inspiration from? And um, as much as I would like love to do this automated, uh, there are tools, by the way, to keep you know, do this automated. But I'm going to do this manually, so every time I set up a meeting, I can actually actually in public. Uh, we have a SPIF going on, let's say, for this month. SPIF stands for Sales Performance Incentive Fund, so which is like an extra incentive, extra variable if you are able to hit these uh, short-term numbers. Uh, at the same time, a daily catch-up every day with the team and individually, where I'm going to make sure that there are no surprises you know, six months or three months later when they say, hey, you know what, I'm not feeling motivated. So you will want to make sure they're motivated at all, all times, and you would want to do this genuinely. You And uh, this is something which you cannot fake, because, uh, like I said, you have to believe it yourself first that you you know you really want to motivate somebody, and uh, you would have to figure out different ways to do this. So every Friday, for example, uh, I want to make sure we have a thirty minute meeting with teams. Uh, we do this at the organization level. We do this uh, on a team level. So there are multiple ways. Sham, if you want to know more stuff, I think we can so the next topic that i want to talk about is which is about setting targets and your incentive structure and then we'll open the floor for you know more uh, questions so mm -hmm. uh, i'm an early stage startup and i've just i've just hired my team uh, you know so far i've acquired my first five customers you know, all by myself as an entrepreneur and i kind of have a fair understanding of my conversion conversion metric and my sales lifecycle with these five customers that I've uh, closed out right now. Now I'm onboarding, you know, my SDRs uh, and, you know, I'm hoping to scale up my customer acquisition. So given this scenario and, uh, you know, as the growth of the company goes forward, what would be your thoughts on how do you how do you set your targets for the SDR teams and the incentive structure? I'm guessing when you say SDR, okay, I'm gonna take both examples so, so that there's no confusion to everybody. As we discussed earlier, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover your stands for inbound, VDR stands for outbound. So I'm gonna talk about both both of them since I've been uh, fortunate to work in uh, all, all the all the you know stages of the company. First thing you want to make sure is uh, when you're offering the compensation, there's a good good split between. Uh, the fixed and the variable okay i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about the psyche for a minute as to why that's important so and this is something kind of go wrong uh, is uh, they offer a higher fixed salary to the salesperson and you know lower variable so there is no incentive there is no uh, motivation for the salesperson to really hit those numbers while these numbers might be important to you but again keep it keep the underlying fact in mind you're dealing with millennials they probably care about well, how can they get more? How can they get more? They probably might not be able to buy your vision Im immediately. However, 
you know, given the time, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, they will actually buy 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 that. But understand that. So have a good fixed um, and variable split. I would say the standard fixed, uh, which runs in India, is about 70-30, 70 percent fixed, 30 percent variable. Now, once you have a 30% variable setup, now you can set up, go about setting up the incentive structure. So if you talk about early stage companies, uh, if you're, let's say, uh, if you're talking about SDR, I would say give them a target on the conversion. Do not give them a fixed target that you have to get these many opportunities or these many meetings, because right now you understand you don't have anything different. You don't even know how many So that's, that's like a very small number if you were to talk about data. So that, I'll tell you why this is going to have many purposes. One, when you're talking about conversion, this rep is going to make sure every, no lead is going to get untouched. He's going to work on every single lead diligently because now his job is that uh, if you get he will get 20 meetings. He will move mountains to make sure you get those 20 meetings. As in when you grow, you can. Um, as in when you let's say reach the next stage, you can probably either um, increase the conversion percentage or maybe add some sort of qualification matrix. Because let's say in those 20 meetings, you realize that hey, five, five of these meetings had this particular um, uh, had part this particular instance where the prospect did not have a budget. So now you know if more people do not have the budget, they're not going to buy. So you can probably introduce budget as the next qualification criteria or based on whatever model works for you. If I were to talk about media, I think initially you would want to incentivize them on any part of meetings mode. As long as they're able to bring people, as long as they're able to generate interest for your product, I think that, that should work for you. As in when you grow, again, understand, as in when you understand, uh, and that's exactly what we have been doing, for example, at my company. Uh, earlier when we started, we were, we were able to you know, bring up anybody and everybody who's interested in our product. At the same time, my, my, my company is a different stage. Then uh, as and when we realize, hey, you know what, now we're getting enough meetings, now it's the time to put some qualification criteria in place. Because uh, then, then we introduce something like, uh, let's say, sort of an opportunity. So out of the X number of meetings you get, these many meetings have to convert into deals. These many people, uh, these many deals have to proceed further. Of course, there will be a considerably low number in terms of meetings versus opportunities, but you get the idea. Uh, then at thought we where everything was like very streamlined, we were getting, uh, Inbound process was set up for a very long time. We had um, for VR, we will have a now for SDRs, we would actually have a concept of let's say number set number set number of meetings, which will be something like hey, you're getting three leads, your target is forty. Okay, whether they uh, and that, that is where again you can probably play when you want to introduce another for example. We have something like uh, the deal value, the deal value created from the meetings which you had set up. And uh, you can assign like a small portion to it, like 43%, and, uh, more weighted to the number of meetings. Then you can also do something like a response. If you're going to mention that from CRM, that way you can ensure that the same is given most importance. Thank you so much, uh, Rahul. That was very insightful. Hey, first of all, thanks, Rahul, for your wonderful insight. Uh, like many of these things, we can repeat each other. Like since since we started from our end, but not the points we were telling. Okay, I can you no know, pinpoint. Okay, fine. Okay, we need to tick mark this thing, this thing, and all. Right. So one one question here. Okay, uh, like uh, just to give a little bit intro, uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of CustomFit.ai. Uh, 
Uh, it's a hyper personalization platform for B2B websites. Uh, we compete with the companies like Mutiny uh, and Proof. Okay. So the question here is like, I've been suggested that initial uh, when you're hiring SDRs, like uh, better hire two persons okay, together so that there is a sense of competition with each other. Uh, like how, like what, what, what's your suggestion with respect to that? Because we are in the you know, verge of okay, getting um, uh, like the sales hires at this stage. I mean, I have no reservations against hiring two or three. I think two, that's a great idea, whatever has been suggested to you, to hire these two people at the same time. They will actually, they can actually learn from each other because if you hire one, uh, the downside to that is that person would always be looking uh, up to you or somebody else who is in the company who's senior, right? So when you have two people, maybe these people can train each other, train and learn from each other at the same time to set competition. So that kind of works. Did that answer your question? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, thanks. That reinforces what actually we suppose we are thinking. And one more question I have, like uh, uh, with respect to the, uh, I mean, basically the sales consultants. Okay, what's your suggestion? Consultants. Okay, uh, say that. Okay, there are these different agencies. Okay, when we are trying to talk with the different regions like the Middle East, Euro, I mean, no, even the uh, the the region like uh, Singapore and all, uh, where actually we've been approached by a couple of the sales consultant agencies, which actually they can take care of the initial momentum uh, for you to because you don't know the market that well over there uh, since actually they know it uh, like how, what's what's your suggestion whether actually for initial stage startups they need to go and uh, partner with those kind of the uh, you know the sales agencies or just refrain at this stage and concentrate when you have uh, the enough uh, from the the region which you know well sure so when you say sales consultancy you mean these people will be able to set up initial meetings with the clients is that right Correct, correct, correct. I think you should definitely go for it, but I'll tell you what, what to do in, in order to make sure you are definitely not at the loss. So go for a model where they only get paid when you get paid. That means you have nothing to lose. At the same time, you know that things are going to Because if they don't, you have nothing to lose at the end. But not many are these kind of the outcome-driven agencies are there. Okay, even like basically there, like basically consider okay the agency which we are dealing currently are which we are having initial talks uh, that starts with as little as say three thousand dollars per month uh, to five thousand dollars per month uh, for the initial traction. Do you think okay that's uh, suggested numbers to go and uh, you know engage with them and then and then see how like at least you can go and test the waters of that side. Because uh, uh, sorry, Raul, your voice was a bit. Uh, I mean, basically, so, is it better now? Okay. Kind of. So I would say definitely go for it. However, do some research in terms of because there are tons of companies like this uh, who claim the expertise, but you would need to understand uh, as to who really is the, uh, has been in the market for some time, customers they have. Worked. You would want to do the same diligence as you would do when, let's say, you were let's say, buying the product. You would want to speak to their customers as to how they really benefit. Uh, see, how, you know, was their structure of you know sale was similar to yours. So I'm not saying that you know this thought hasn't crossed my mind. I've actually spoken to some similar companies in the past. It is that um, what, if I want to be with them again, like you said, we do not have to similar. You know, we get paid when they get paid, sort of a scenario. But in this case, I would I would say you would have to test waters because your company might not be in the same domain as the company. So I think that's the best bet. How it will also help you because once, let's say, if this model works, you would not have to think about how to build your own model from scratch because now you, okay. now you don't understand their uh, you know, 
their points, you know, which they use to uh, bring these customers to the meeting. So you can probably have their sales book. Correct. Correct. Makes sense. Okay. Thanks, man. Ashwin, one one suggestion point there, please. Uh, if if I may add, uh, Rahul. Yeah, please, please. Uh, so there are two ways to look at this. One, uh, give a higher preference to identifying partners who can resell on your behalf there. Right. Okay. That's okay. a more invested approach on behalf of a reseller to sell your product, and Go that ahead. purely works in the way that Rahul suggests that resellers work on an outcome-based model. And when you're working with agencies, my suggestion is work with an agency after you have an experience of working with SDRs on your own. Mm -hmm. Else, you know, you will you will have some time that you will take to understand how that agency works, what type of leads they give. You will end up spending a lot more time in helping them qualify your leads, educating them on your qualification matrix. For you Make to determine sense. whether they are actually worth worthwhile, the time and the money or not. Yes, right? yes, definitely makes sense. So it's like it's like an agency toolkit, right? You should have exactly. your agency toolkit ready. Exactly, exactly, exactly. The book, blue book is ready. Correct, correct, correct. Thanks, thanks, Ramesh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have the next question from uh, from Tina. Who is the best person to do price negotiation in a company with only the founder and one salesperson on the team? Let me get this question right. So who's the best person to do the price negotiation in a company with only the founder and let's say one person? Okay. So you are you saying that you're selling to the company with one founder and one more person? The situation is she is a founder and she has one salesperson. So who is the best person to negotiate? Oh, okay. I think it depends on the skill set and depends on uh, who you're selling to. For example, if you're talking about, uh, let's say, it depends on your skill set as well, Tina. So if you have, uh, if you have uh, built the uh, expertise in, let's say, sales negotiation, of course, you should be the one doing it. But if you have a salesperson who has more experience and who has done this more, more times than you have done, of course, in that case, I would put, put that salesperson ahead. Wonderful. Next question is from uh, Pallavi. What's the secret for ensuring exponential sales growth or increase in numbers? I think um, I've answered that, but let me explain. Let me uh, let me do it. So it all boils down to your strong processes, right? So um, you would realize that when you don't have processes in companies, I'm not sure if you guys have worked with companies as such, they would not be able to find out where things break. You would not be able to find out, and that is why you understand. Most of these bigger companies, enterprise companies, they always have these SOPs, standard operating procedures. So if something breaks, they are immediately able to pinpoint to what, what the problem is, able to fix that and make sure the whole engine, the whole process is working. And then I'm going to go back to my example. Uh, and this is what I'm going to hold as to how things would work. So they would have like a whole engine, you know, which would be telling me here is the metal compressed. This is built in different parts. All these products are being assembled. Now, when you have an assembly line, I'm able to, he's able to identify things are breaking in case, let's say, there's a pulley, there's a you know, chain going on. You're able to immediately identify, hey, you know what? I'm not getting more parts coming in. That means something is broken. So you go, go back to the left part and so on and on. And that's how you identify that. In terms of sales, um, it's, it's, it's very good practice to actually build a strong sales playbook. And with that, I mean, uh, identify what has really worked for you. 
So how do you do that? So let's say if I'm starting a process today, I would be able to manage what my process looks like today. Uh, what my process looks like today. And uh, accordingly, once I'm able to see the numbers, I want to see how does my process look now. So now I'm able to also go backtrack and see what did I improve in order to reach here. So in case, let's say I am able to reach out to 100 prospects, I'm able to set up 10 meetings. If someday I'm not able to uh, set up those 10 meetings, I would go back to the step one, that the filters we use in order to identify those 100 prospects on the day one are those filters same. That would, because that will probably give me the lead quality. Similarly, uh, going forward, I would be able to identify, did my rep work the same way? Like in the sense if there was a sequence which we followed, let's say 10 calls, 20 emails, did we follow the similar approach? Was our email writing similar? Uh, did we call at different hours? So all that stuff goes into the you know, sales playbook. Sales playbook, of course, has much more than what I'm trying to discuss. But um, a strong process in the sales playbook Playbook is definitely the answer to your sales growth and increase in numbers because there will be a time when you are, let's say, when you are already running at a different number, now you want to increase that number. So let's say if you don't have the process, if you don't have the process well written and you try to make drastic changes, which might break down the process and you might go below what you already were, you would not go, uh, you would not understand how to go back to where you are earlier. Okay? So you would want to have a process map to uh, guide you at all times, you know, especially right now. The next question is from uh, Kinjal Sharpa. Can you give a few tips and insights for freshers who are starting their career in SDR? Great question. This was one of my leading questions, you know, as we come to the wrap up point. Sure. Uh, thank you, Kinjal. I think uh, we follow each other on LinkedIn. I, I see you like all my posts. posts so thank you. <laughs> Um, okay, starting your if you're starting your career in SDR, um, I think the time cannot be better to start your career in SDR. I would definitely encourage any, anybody and everybody who would want to start their career here because uh, I've seen success. I know a lot of people who have seen success. So if you want to start your career, so first of all, you would want to find a training plan. You cannot rely on a lot of noise which is out there. Which could be, which could be even from people like me. I could be giving advices which might or might not fit when you are, because you might be in a different stage. So one, you might want to find out uh, a formal training plan which can really propel and excel and help you excel in your career. Uh, because let's say if you have studied enough and if you have uh, been able to, if you are able to portray the knowledge and if you are able to uh, showcase during your interview, let's say if you are being interviewed that you know everything what an experienced person knows, and you would be able to apply, you're just looking for a chance to apply that knowledge, I think you would already be ahead of all the other people. So one, you can definitely uh, take all the noise, take all the knowledge advices from, from LinkedIn or other sources, but you have to understand you, since you are probably, um, you know, not in, not in the game, you would probably not know how to apply or assemble all that knowledge together. So I would suggest, uh, if you're a fresher, look for a formal training course. If you have to spend money, if you require like you spend some money, then you say do it because it will be definitely an investment for your career. How about a point on dealing with umpteen uh, rejections as an SDR when you're early in your career? The interview rejection. How do you deal with rejections? Customer rejections. Oh. See, it's like. 
Okay. I know it might sound like easier said than done, but since uh, we've been doing this and I've been training my teams for uh, you know, uh, dealing with this, is uh, you want to set up first of all smaller goals. First of all, acknowledge that you know rejection is a part of sales throughout. If you are scared of rejection, which I know a lot of people are, uh, it, it is the right time for you to step back and do not enter sales because this is going to be there throughout your career, throughout your life, as long as you're in sales. And uh, I think we all, we, I think we probably uh, take rejection, if I say negatively, you know, we, we always think, hey, rejection is something uh, I don't want to face because that's that's a, un, 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 that's, that's a thing nobody wants to face, right? If you ask anybody, does anybody want to face rejection? No. Do I, do I need all the money in the world without working hard? Yes. So we all want things the easy way, but that, that's not how life, life works, right? We, we get through life, we get through life's law of rejection, but we are scared of, from, from a rejection we get from the customer. But like I said, one, acknowledge that it's going to be part of the life. Second, uh, you can you cannot avoid rejection. You can uh, avoid instances when you get the rejection. So customers might reject you for multiple reasons if you're not prepared, if you do not know how to handle those objections, or if you're leading up, if you're leading your conversation to a stage where the customer will object. So let me give you an example. If you right now, uh, if there's an SDR who actually takes the old approach of calling uh, somebody and says, hey, I'm calling from so-and-so company, uh, is it a good time to talk? Now, uh, if you understand, this is a very old way of uh, you know working, where when you ask somebody, is it, is it a good, good time to talk? Or if you ask me, how are you doing? We all know this is a cold call. We all know where this is leading. We all know what's going to come after I ask, I, I tell you how I'm doing, because you don't care how am I doing. Right, you, because your conversation is not leading up anywhere. I know you're gonna get back to your business eventually, and then you start pitching your business. The moment you do that, you understand that uh, the way it feels is when I'm going to the mall, and the mall guy says, "You want to try this perfume? You want to try this food?" Because I know he's trying to pitch me into buying something. Do that. So you would have to understand the basic you, uh, your human nature. You would have to understand the very basics of how you can avoid this rejection. Not, like I said, not avoid, but you can decrease your chances by preparing yourself then. Well, wonderful, Rahul. I think uh, we are almost at the time now. It's been a wonderful interaction with you, Rahul. Would love to thank everyone uh, who have stayed online, joined this webinar, and stuck on you know with us. Uh, you know, right till the end. Really appreciate your time. Once again, thank you, Rahul, so much. Uh, great thank conversation. You, great much. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure speaking to you and love your audience. Thank you so much for the great questions.